second week in this series called Home. Last week, uh, I'm going to recap just for a second. But the whole reason, one of the reasons I love talking about home and when the Holy Spirit put this word and this series on my heart, I got really excited because it also gives me a chance to share the, the vision of our church here. Some of you have been here for, for a few weeks, a few months, maybe a year. I'm sure you've heard us talk about this. You've seen these three words printed on things and, uh, and, and you see it everywhere here, home, local, global. It's not just a cute phrase. You know, the Bible says without vision, people perish. If you don't have vision for your life, that might be why you're struggling with anxiety or fear. That's one of the reasons, man. Give yourself some goals short term. Ask the Lord to get involved. And you know what? When the Lord gets involved in goals, it starts to be called vision. And when you have vision, you wake up excited because every day is intentional. And every moment becomes a moment you live on purpose going after that vision, that destiny. So that's a word for somebody real strong right there. You can start with goals, invite the Holy Spirit, they become vision. And it will light up your life with excitement. When my dad passed away seven years ago, almost seven years ago, this July, uh, you know, it was a hard season. There was a lot of a lot of grief. Still, there's a lot of grief. I mean, that's hard to lose somebody. And, um, you know, so I, our family, Lisa and I, stepped in as lead pastors. And here on the surface, and, and at, if you look at attendance and, and people coming together, things started going really good here at church. You know, we were in kind of a, a, a strange season those last few months of Dad's life. There wasn't a lot of attendance and and uh, people that have been here for a long time started going different ways. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking through a lot of that. I think some of it was due to um, dad wasn't feeling good. He didn't have a lot of energy. And, and, and just realistically, instead of asking what was going on, I think people saw that and it kind of turned them off and they stopped coming around. And uh, after he passed away, things kind of started going really good here. And, and that was that was a really beautiful part in a really hard season. And in September, so July through September, you know, things were going really good. And again, it was hard stepping into pastoring and even helping and leading some people through grief of them losing their pastor, who was my dad. That was a little bit of a strange thing. Yeah, you know, sitting with people. I know he meant a lot to you. It's really hard to lose him, I know. And, and at the same time, I'm talking to myself. And, and, and that was a, a difficult season Things were going really well, and the church was growing at the same time. It was a lot of emotions. It was a lot of really weird things going through my brain, and, but that's just what life is, right? Uh, there's always a million different things that, that hit us and that we go through. And By September, I think as far as church stuff goes, I had relaxed a little bit in the sense that I, had, I felt a bit settled in pastoring and being the lead pastor, and attendance was, was good, and giving had gone up, and and uh, man, our friend Sally was here leading worship with us on Sundays. And it, it wasn't like I had every burden of the church wasn't on my shoulders. Lisa and I had led worship every Sunday for 13 years. And during those first few months, we were leading worship. And then I would preach. And so we even had people coming alongside of us and, and sharing the load of ministry. And in September, I had a conversation with Andrew Wambach, who I just respect so much. Lisa and I are alumni of his college, Karis Bible College. And He's been a special part of our lives. Lisa's known him her entire life. So we, we were able to be with him in September and uh, for, for a week during camp meeting in Charlotte. The first day he was there, he grabbed me and Lisa and my mom. He said, hey, come talk to me. I want to hear about the last few months since you lost Barry. And 
he was asking us all about it. And I was telling him, church is going great. Things are going really good. Yeah, of course we miss him. It's sad. It's hard. Uh, we're happy one second and then sorrow hits and then you cry and then you laugh and then you cry and laugh. And, and he said, that's how it is. And then he told me this. He said, so, so in leading the church, you know, what, what's your vision? And uh, I said, well, I mean, I, we, we have a, a vision, you know, and, and dad had a vision and he could tell I was just kind of talking. And he said, he goes, listen, let me stop you. He said, uh, you have to have a vision for your church. And he said, and this might sound tough, I'm not trying to be tough, but I'm just telling you the truth. You can't lead with your dad's vision. You can't lead the church with somebody else's vision. You can carry on his legacy. You know, he said, I imagine the things that the Lord puts on your heart, your vision for the church will probably, in a lot of ways, cross paths with what your dad saw. It's going to work together in a beautiful way, but it has to be your vision because no one's going to follow you leading them to somebody else's vision. And I, I, I appreciated it more now than I do then. But in the moment, I just got to be honest. In my head, I thought, man, we just got through these last four months and I was just starting to feel so. And now we got to come up with something, a whole new vision. And I mean, and I said yes to a whole lot of anxiety in that moment. I was like, thank you for sharing that, Andrew. Thank you so much. You've been very encouraging. And, uh, you know, it was the next day I, I, I went to sleep that night just I mean, I even, I'm a doer, guys. I'm a doer. I took out a notepad before I went to bed that night, and I wrote FCG Vision, and I started writing things, and I just heard the Lord tell me to take a break, to just let him speak to me, and the next morning, I was running at the gym, and I literally just, I mean, an actual vision. I just saw these words, home, local, global, and I thought, well, that's kind of catchy, and the Lord said, it's not catchy. That's your vision. That's always been you and Lisa's vision. Hope, sharing hope from a very personal level with people, introducing people to the hope found in Jesus on a personal level, but then seeing it spread and overflow from your own heart to your homes, from your homes to your city and the places you work, from your city to, to your country, from your country to the world. It's got to start here. What business do I have packing up my bags for a week and going to some other country to give people hope and to offer them a, uh, offer them a glimpse into the kingdom when my own home is suffering and in my own home or, or my own close personal friends don't see that hope in me and I'm not offering it to them. It's got to start right here. Otherwise, it's fake and it's gross. And here's the thing about our faith. It doesn't have to be fake because it's real. Do you understand that? Like it doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be fake because it's real. If you feel like you're faking it, I just want to tell you, you don't have to. It's real. And I believe in this series, one of the things that I'm going to get to do is share about that first part of our vision here at FCG. How do we begin to see the hope of Jesus birthed or sparked or ignited right here in our heart? And what you'll see next is the overflow in your home. And what you'll see next is the overflow everywhere else you go. It's got to start here. It's not like we need to have a, a portion of our church focused on home and then another group focused on local and then another portion focused on global. No, we start right here individually, and it's a progression. When hope starts here, it overflows everywhere. And as long as you keep on receiving, the water just keeps Overflowing, So that's what this is about. And last week, I talked about the garden of your home. What fruit are you seeing in your home? And, and this was the metaphor. This was the example. So just get this in your head because we're going to piggyback off of it 
for the next like 15 or so minutes. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, raise your hand. That means you believe in Jesus. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Keep them up. That's something to be proud of. Keep them up for a second. All right. I think that's every hand in here, right? And maybe I'm missing somebody. I'll give you a chance at the end. But if you have your hand up, actually, I'll give you a chance right now. If you've never said yes to Jesus, but you'd like to, this is a good chance for you to put your hand up. We're not going to have every head bowed. We will not have every eyes closed because this is not something to be ashamed of. This is something to be proud of. It's something to celebrate. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, let's give you a chance real quick. You can put your hand up. All right, that's what I thought. I thought everybody's hand was up. That means that this applies to every person in here. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The same exact spirit that was in Jesus is now in you. We can stop right there because if you would start to believe that, it would change your entire world. The word says when you get saved, there's a part of you that dies and resurrects. That's what baptism represents. We always talk about it. I think just about every denomination of Christianity talks about that. Well, your flesh didn't die. If you went down as Barry James Sullivan, you came up as Barry James Sullivan. I looked very similar when I came up out of that water as I did when I went down below that water. So this flesh part of me didn't die. I still had the same thoughts. I had the same personality. So it wasn't my mind. It wasn't my soul, my mind, will, and emotions that died and resurrected. There's another part of me called a spirit. That part stayed down in that water and the resurrected Holy Spirit of Jesus himself was birthed on the inside of me. And if you're thinking about that moment and you're like, well, I didn't feel any different when I came up out of that water because you don't feel your spirit. It's a whole part of you that's not made of flesh. In your flesh, in your mind, you don't feel it. But it doesn't mean it's not true. We have the word because when our flesh begins to doubt that that was true, we go to the word and we say, but the word says it was true. This is more important than what I feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's what that means. Your spirit was resurrected and the spirit on the inside of you, according to Galatians 5.22, produces this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. This is the example from last week. You don't have to ask an apple seed to give you apples. You don't have to pray and ask God, please give me apples from this apple seed. An apple seed produces apples. It will not produce oranges. It won't produce grapes. It won't produce anything else but apples. You put it in the ground, an apple tree grows, and then apples grow on those branches. We get into trouble and we make the wrong choices when we see a lack of patience, kindness, love, joy, or peace in our life. And we go to the Lord and we say, please give me peace. Please give me patience. Please give me love. That's like asking the apple seed to give you apples. You are the ground. In fact, we saw this in the very beginning of creation. God created Adam from dirt. So I kept saying this last week. I hope it didn't offend you. You came back, so it didn't, I guess. But you're just dirt. We're all just dirt. We're good, really, really good, fertile dirt. And the seed on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit was planted. And we don't need to say to God, one third of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, please give me peace. He's saying it's already in you. It's already in you. You have to water the seed. 
we say, give me love, give me joy. And he's saying, it's in you. Just water the seed. You're the ground. You have the seed. Water the seed. And when that garden begins to grow, when somebody in your house needs kindness because they haven't experienced it all week, instead of going outside and finding it from some, some other place or some other person, they'll find kindness on your branches. When someone in your house is in search of love, they need to fill a hole they're experiencing in their life. Instead of going to find the world's fake love or fake joy from the world that's not lasting, they're going to find the real thing in your branches. Whether that's a spouse, a friend, or loved one, a, a child, a son, a daughter. When the fruit of the Spirit are growing out of our lives, and that's what people find on our branches, they don't need to go anywhere else to find it. You have a home, because you're there, that is filled with love, that is filled with joy, that is filled with peace. In some cases, they're in seed form on the inside of you. So you have to let them grow. And as you let them grow, you'll begin to see the atmosphere in your home change. Here's the first step. This is where we're going to pick up. This is what I didn't get to last week. So if you think about your house, and you say, well, you're telling me that the atmosphere of my home is joy. But as of right now, I don't see much evidence. Because when I go home, I don't experience that joy. In fact, uh, we walk on eggshells in our house right now, right? Somebody might blow up at any time. Or maybe there's uh, anxiety when I get to my house. Maybe, there's, uh, maybe, there's, maybe I'm faced with fear when I get to my house. That's, again, I'm not condemning you. We can all get into these habits. And sometimes that's what happens within our home. But today we can make a choice. Today we can make a choice and we can begin to see a change. So if the atmosphere of your home does not line up with what the word says about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Here's step one. And it, it, it's an internal step, right? Because you have to change the inside before you see a change on the outside. And the first step is a realization, or maybe if you've known this in the past, remember that your house does not have to mimic the atmosphere of this world. And I mean that. I know that sounds a little bit wordy. I couldn't think of a more poetic way to put it. So take it as you will. Write it down if you need to. But recognize, realize, remember that your house does not have to experience the same thing the world is experiencing. When the world is experiencing anxiety and fear on a high level, and right now it is, that doesn't have to enter your house. When the world is experiencing hatred and racism and, and, and whatever else this nasty stuff is, that doesn't have to enter your house. That doesn't have to enter your home. Your house is a part of a kingdom that is not a part of this world. And as this world turns, the kingdom stays steady. You know how it gets in our house a whole lot of times? We say, come on in when we turn the TV on. We say, come on in when we get on social media. We say, come on in when we start writing those posts that we write them and then we erase them a little bit and then we reword it and write it again. And then we just say, oh, the heck with it. And we just go ahead and post it. And then people comment and you start to get a little excited about the, the online tension and things like that. Well, sometimes this stuff is getting in your house because of that. But you can make a different choice. You live in a place in the Old Testament. We get a picture of this called the land of Goshen. Have you ever seen the cans? And there's a, there's a 
there's canned goods, and, and the brand is Land O'Goshen. I, I don't know. I remember seeing these growing up. I don't know if it's still around. But it was named after the place the Hebrew children lived, or the Hebrew people lived in Egypt. So the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt, and they were given a place to live. They were all in one village in Egypt called the land of Goshen. And you know, as Moses showed up on the scene and began to uh, start the process of freeing the children of Israel, you guys remember what happened, right? The plagues. There was darkness all over Egypt. Well, have you ever read the story for yourself? Because there's this great verse that says, but in the land of Goshen, there was life. The flies, the locusts, the, the, the plagues of all the cattle dying. This happened all over Egypt. But there was no flies, there was no locusts in the land of Goshen. All the cattle in the land of Goshen thrived. When the hail rained down from the heavens and destroyed trees. I mean, this must have been giant blocks of ice. None fell in the land of Goshen. When I was a kid, one of the coolest things I've ever saw in my life was one day my mom said, hey, look out the window. It was raining in our neighbor's yard, but like right by the fence, there was no rain. So our yard was no rain whatsoever. You could see where the rain started and stopped. And I guess it has to start and stop somewhere, but it was the only time in my life I've ever seen it that close. We were standing in our yard, putting our arm over and touching rain in our neighbor's yard, and it was really cool. And that's what it was like in the land of Goshen. All the plagues that Egypt experienced, including the death of the firstborn. It was in the land of Goshen where they painted the blood of the lamb over their doorpost and the angel of death passed over. When everybody in the Egypt was crying and mourning over the death of their firstborn children, everybody in the land of Goshen was sleeping in peace. You live in the land of Goshen. You live in a place where a plague may be surrounding the four walls of your house, but it cannot enter your house. Because just like the Hebrew children, your house is covered by the blood of the Lamb. And His Spirit within you produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When the whole world is out of control and people are indulging every desire they have and calling it right, your house still experiences self-control. Because that's your promise. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in you. There are too many times our house and the atmosphere of our house lines up with what the world is saying more than what the Word says because we simply haven't taken the time lately to take an assessment and say, hang on, what's happening here in this home? What's happening up here between these two ears? What's happening right here? This is not my promise. I'm not watering those seeds that are within me because I'm not experiencing it right here. It's a done deal. If you plant apples, they're going to get apples. You live in the land of Goshen. I know it sounds funny. But you want to remember it, right? Goshen. Say it with me. Goshen. Goshen. Right? One more time. Goshen. Goshen. It's a good word. Exodus 9, 23. I do want to read this. Moses lifted his staff towards the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flash toward earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstorm against all the land of Egypt. Never in all the history of Egypt had there been a storm like that. Do you ever feel like that? Do you look at the news? Do you look at what's going on in the world and 
we've probably all had this thought, has it ever been like this before? Right? We all have at least had that thought. Has there ever been a storm like this before? In this case, there had never been a physical storm like this with such devastating hell and continuous lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hell struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hell was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. And if you think, well, that's them, this is me. In Galatians 3.29, the Apostle Paul is writing to you, to me, New Testament believers. He says, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. That's who lived in the land of Goshen. It was the children of Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was renamed Israel. His descendants from his 12 sons were known as Israel, the nation of Israel. You are now the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Amen. Your house is the land of Goshen. Amen. If you in your home are experiencing the same thing this world experiences on the day to day, take a second right now. Realize you don't have to. Remember if you knew this at one point and make a stand. Make a line in the sand and say from now on, this is where it stops. I mean, go into your front yard. I don't know. Make, mark the borders of your property. Maybe it's even just mentally. I don't know. But say this is as far as this stuff goes. This is the land of Goshen because I live here. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering, self-control. That's step one. You have to realize it has to start in here because you can say it all day. But remember what I told you a few minutes ago. You don't have to just say it. You don't have to fake it because it's real. Yeah. It's real. So get it in there. Remind yourself when you do experience fear, anxiety, when you do experience something like that, remind yourself out loud, this is not my promise. This is not what has to happen here. That's step one. Step two. We're going to stick with this same group of people and we're going to take step two from the life of Joshua. And here's step two. Once you realize it or once you're trying to realize it, once you're trying to get it in your mind that this is not the way we have to live, make a choice. Choose today who you're going to serve. Choose right now you're going to serve the world and go the way of the world or if you're going to serve the Lord and allow this fruit to be produced in your home. In Joshua 24, 14 through 15, he, Moses is gone. The children of Israel are about to enter the promised land and this is what Joshua says. Actually, they may already be in the promised land at this point. Here's what Joshua says to them. He's the one who's leading them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors when they lived beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let me tell you why all those details were important. Talking about the Euphrates River and, and all these things. Here's why they're important. Abraham's father. Abraham's grandfather. So this is Joshua who was like a son to Moses. 
Moses uh, led the Hebrew children, the children of Jacob, Israel, go back to Isaac, go back to Abraham. He led them into the promised land. Abraham's relatives were the ones that lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they knew nothing of the Lord God, Jehovah. In fact, they served other gods. It was Abraham when God showed up and said, Abraham, this is who I am. I am the real God. And Abraham said, I will serve you. Abraham was the first in his family to make the choice to serve the Lord. And right here, Joshua is calling that to everybody's remembrance. And here's what he's saying. Do you want to just live like your ancestors? Do you want to live in the past forever? Do you want to keep making the same choices that your fathers made and that your grandfathers made? Do you want to keep serving the same false gods that have been served for generations? Or are you going to make a choice to be different? Are you going to make a choice to serve the living God? Are you going to bow down in your home to the same struggles of your ancestors? Maybe you grew up in a house that was filled with abuse. The buck stops here. No more abuse. Are you going to bow down to that God? Maybe you grew up in a home that was filled with strife every night. People screaming, having to shut your door, put your head under your pillow. You don't have to serve that God anymore. You can make a different choice. Choose today who you will serve. Maybe you lived in a house that was uh, built off poverty. Maybe it was a poverty. Maybe you lived in poverty growing up. You don't have to serve the God of poverty anymore. You can make a different choice. And you can make the choice today. Right now, you can choose whom you're going to serve. You don't have to bow down to the same thoughts, the same gods, the same mistakes your mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandparents, ancestors made. You, right now, every curse is broken in the name of Jesus. He broke every curse. He broke every curse. If we experience the same things our ancestors or relatives experienced, it's because we've bowed down to a curse that's already been broken. Get up. Don't bow down. Get up. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Is it going to be the gods of your ancestors when they lived beyond the Euphrates? Is it going to be the god of the Amorites? The reason that's important? Because they lived in the Amorites in that moment. And this is what Joshua was saying. You want to be like everybody else? You want to serve the same gods these people around you are serving? I don't. And I'm going to make a choice to be different. And if you keep reading that story, they made a choice to be different. They didn't bow down to the gods that world bowed down to. And boy, this world would have us bow down to a lot of things right now. But you know what? Just go ahead and make a decision that you're one of the rebels. You're one of the people that can't be controlled. You're going to stay standing. You're going to stay standing on the word of God. And no matter what, if something is going against the word of God, you're going to stay strong. And you're going to say, no, I'm choosing right now to stay steady and stand firm on the word. I remember uh, New Year's Eve, 1999. I mean, like, a lot of people thought the world was going to end. And me and Y2K, and I'll tell you, we had a party here. And me and Nick Corgan, Jerry and Tony's son, there's two power boxes here. And when we were all counting down 1098, me and Nick cut the power to the whole building. It was awesome. It was at least five or six people thought we had entered Y2K and the computers took over and Skynet was born and the Terminators were on their way. 
power box right here, and there's a power box down there. Nick was at one, I was at the other. I've never grinned so strong. I, I, I guess I was 17, Nick was 15, and it was a great idea. But you know, everybody thought the world was going to end. Not everybody, but a lot of people did. And there was so many reasons, good reasons. Oh, yeah, your computer can't flip over to the year 2000. So your computer is going to think it's 1800. And there was no computers in 1800. So they'll automatically just stop. That makes zero sense. But a lot of people believed it. Let me tell you, I remember asking my dad one time about a month before Y2K. And, if, and listen, and if you bought into that, please, no condemnation. We've all, uh, we've all fallen to stuff. I mean, I thought the Panthers were going to win the Super Bowl a couple years ago. We've all, we've all believed things. We've all believed things that just don't happen sometimes, right? We've all fallen to this. Um, I remember asking my dad about a month before Y2K. I was like, Dad, do we need to be afraid? We had people that were prepping. We, we knew someone that built a bunker. I mean, it was cool. It was underground. He had power. It was nice. Uh, but, but I asked my dad, do we need to be afraid? All he said to me was this. Well, the Holy Spirit hasn't told me to prepare uh, for the end of the world, so I think we'll be all right. That was enough for me. Hearing my dad say that, I was so unfearful. Like I said, me and Nick cut the power and had a good laugh about it. And uh, some people did not laugh. <laughs> but we laughed. But, you know, you don't have to bow down to the things the world is saying. You don't have to serve the God of the Amorites. You don't have to serve the gods of fear, of anxiety, because, man, there's a lot of that out there. And I know you hear me say it a lot, but you know what? It's one of the main things that cripples a lot of people is fear and anxiety. And it's not something that comes from the inside of a believer. So get that out of your mind. You don't own fear and anxiety. It's not something that comes out of you. It's something that attacks you. As a believer, you have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So when you're facing fear and anxiety, don't think, ooh, I, this is my fear and anxiety bubbling up. This has come from the inside of me. No, see it for what it is. It's an attack. It's the God of the Amorites saying, hey, bow down to me. I'm controlling everybody else. Let me control you as well. You don't have to. You can choose today whom you're going to serve. And this is my last point. That's an important phrase that comes next. He says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You cannot control anybody else, not even in your house. And if you try to control people in your own house, then that is a, a you don't need to even try to have that kind of control. As for me and my house, you make the choice for you. Make the choice for you and watch everybody else in your house when they begin to experience love and joy and peace because they're, they're receiving it from your branches, from the fruit of your life. It's going to begin to grow in them as well. I mean, anybody, parent in here, like we, 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 we give our kids every opportunity to, especially when they're young and as they get older, to make good choices. But even when they're little, I mean, we really can't control them, right? They make their own decisions, and you can punish, and you can, you can give uh, rewards and, and say, hey, you did what's right. Let's go celebrate. You can do your best to guide. But really, unless you're exerting physical force on somebody, you can't control them. They have to make their own decisions. So choose this day whom you're going to serve, and then lead your family. 
leave the other people in the walls of your house, not with an iron fist, by just showing them and offering them the fruit of the Spirit instead of anything else. It's going to change the atmosphere in your home. It will change the culture of your house. If your house and your home feel a whole lot like every other place in this world, you'll begin to see a change whatsoever, right, almost immediately. And then it will grow. And just like a tree, as it grows, as it produces fruit, the branches just keep extending. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and going farther and farther. Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Man, you'll see yourself and your family walking in more provision than ever in every way. Choose today whom you're going to serve. If you did not realize that your house and your home doesn't have to look like the rest of this world, step one, today make that realization. Remember if you have forgotten and remind yourself all the time. Step two, choose right now for yourself who you're going to serve and who you're going to bow down to. It will change the atmosphere. You will begin to see those seeds on the inside produce that fruit that Paul talked about in Galatians like never before. Amen? I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to spend some more time during this series talking about how to tend to that garden, how to tend to those seeds. Because, you know, you also can't just scatter a whole bunch of seed on the ground and expect to get a big harvest, right? There's things that you have to do. There's ways to plant seeds. There's ways to water them. There's environments they need to be in. So we're going to talk about that quite a bit over these next few weeks. So again, like I said earlier, man, take the word, apply it to your life. Hopefully all of it. But even if we just take one thing and apply it to our lives, we will see such a huge change. One word from God can change an entire lifetime. One word from God can change an entire family history. One word from God. One word. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Father, I thank you that when there's a storm like no other coming against this world, we live in a land like the Hebrew children called the land of Goshen, where the storm stops at our borders, where anxiety and fear have no place within the borders of our home, our property, or ourselves. The hatred and bigotry and whatever else. Cannot last. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you that in our homes there is freedom. In our minds there is freedom. I thank you that where we have fallen into patterns, we have bowed down to the gods that the ones that have gone before us bowed down to. Today, we'll make a different choice. Today, we're going to choose that we will serve you. We will bow down to you and your word. We're going to believe your love over fear. We're going to believe your peace over anxiety. We're going to believe your joy over sorrow, over sadness, over depression. 
depression has no place in our homes. It has no place in our minds, and it's got to go right now. Thank you, Lord, that the joy, your joy of the Lord is going to be and is our strength. And it's on the inside of us even rising up right now. And I want to encourage you, if you're feeling, experiencing joy right now, and you just had a thought, yeah, but when I leave here, it's going to be back to the same old, same old. No, it's not. It's different. You're going to take it with you. You are taking it with you. The only difference is you've been focused on it now for the past hour or so. Keep focusing on it. When you leave here and the work calls start coming in and, and the house needs attention, take care of everything you have to take care of constantly remembering and reminding yourself of who you really are and what's on the inside and the fruit that is produced in your life. You are the ground. The Holy Spirit is the seed and He produces that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Let's worship. Let's respond to the word with a few moments of worship. I'll come up and I'll invite some prayer ministers and then we'll close.